Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Glad to have you with me today. Across the United States, it's chilly here in the Southeast. It wasn't, and then it stormed, and then it got chilly. Prayers to those who, a lot death toll, destruction, a lot in, in Tennessee with tornadoes just sad stories up there uh, right around the Christmas season. Uh, thank you, though, for joining me. I, I want to begin, uh, not necessarily the, the breaking news, but been thinking a lot about this. I, I want to spend just a few moments at the beginning of the program here to kind of re-encapsulate everything that's going on when it comes to the situations we're seeing on college campuses, universities, part of it is is Liz McGill, the president of the University of Pennsylvania, has resigned. Scott Bott, the chairman of the board of trustees, resigned after accepting her resignation. There are pressures being brought to bear brought to bear on Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, and then also the president of MIT. The MIT board seems to be circling the wagon more than the others in, in each of these college campuses, though. What's very notable is that there actually is ongoing harassment and bullying of Jewish students. It's one thing, and and I've got to be very clear with you, because from the testimony in Congress last week of the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the University of Pennsylvania, it's actually, they're right when they say it's context-dependent on is cause for genocide of the Jews Uh, protected under their speech codes or not. If you stand in the town square and you say all Jews should die or all transgender people should die or George Floyd had it coming or all white people should die, that you stand in the town square and you say those things, it's offensive, it's bad, it's hateful, but it's free speech. There are restrictions on speech even under the First Amendment. But just saying those blanket statements is protected free speech. It may be wrong, may be bad, but it's free. The problem is that at Harvard, MIT, and University of Pennsylvania, among others, if you say George Floyd had it coming or transgender people should die, you got punished. But if you said all Jews should die, you did not. They picked the preferred speech that they allowed to exist, 
and they punished the speech that fell out of favor with the preferred groups. So Jews are not a preferred group at those universities, so you could make the blanket statements and get away with it, uh, but uh, non-Jewish minority students, transgender students and the like, are preferred groups, therefore you can't say the same thing about them. So the solution here then is not that we need more speech restrictions, it's that we need an even hand when it applies to them. But why isn't there an even hand? Now you should know it goes beyond these statements. At all three universities and beyond them, there have been documented incidents of harassment, specifically targeted harassment to Jewish students at MIT, for example, several days in a row, a homeless man has showed up, beaten on the windows of a predominantly Jewish dormitory, yelled anti-Semitic statements, and then peed on the windows, and the university's done nothing. In more than one location, Jewish students were forced to hide in dorm rooms and in libraries as pro-Hamas or quote-unquote pro-Palestinian protesters marched demanding for the Jews to reveal themselves, the universities did nothing. So it's not just the speech. There have actually been documented cases of physical harassment of the students the universities have turned a blind eye to. Why? So let me step back and explain this to you in the the pollution that has happened from critical theory. Critical theory started off in law schools, progressive law schools, as a way to explain the failures in society and the supposed disparate impact on laws to non-white communities. And progressives could not acknowledge that their progressive policies have failed. They can't acknowledge that, for example, the great society created a dependence on government that rendered fathers irrelevant in the relationship of a family, and women became more and more dependent on on welfare from the government. They couldn't acknowledge that their policies had created that government dependence, caused the collapse of families, uh, led to a rise in crime, led to a rise in poverty. They can't acknowledge all that, so they must come up with something else. And so they latched on to postmodern critical theory, which derives from Marxism, and it actually does derive from Marxism. That's not hyperbole, it's actually true. And critical theory seeks to explain the entire world based on power dynamics. And the way the left has boiled it down is the power dynamic mostly of race and ethnicity. Now, there are other things in there too. For example, um, heterosexuality versus homosexuality, uh, Christian and Jew versus other religions whether or not you're abled or disabled, whether or not you have a a disability, things like that, but predominantly race and ethnicity. And if you are white, you're considered the oppressor. And the darker your skin color, the more you are considered oppressed. It's why, for example, Northeast Asians and Chinese Asians who are lighter skin, Japanese, Taiwanese, and the like, they are whose families moved from the Middle East to Europe thousands of years ago uh, and became integrated with European communities. It's the skin color that determines whether or not you are oppressor or oppressed. And if you are an oppressor, then anything anyone does to you is justified. So standing on a college campus saying all Jews or all whites or all Asians must die, you can get away with. 
college campuses, Harvard in particular, uh, we saw the Supreme Court uh, worked very hard to discriminate against Asian students, particularly Chinese, Koreans, Japanese, Taiwanese, and to allow in other minorities. Skin color matters much to progressives. In the same way it mattered much to segregationists, now it is the left that has turned into the segregationists, or really it's segregationists evolved over time. It's still people in the Democratic Party, just like it was with the segregationists. This has invaded colleges. It has invaded university groupthink. As universities poured money into diversity, equity, and inclusion, they did so originally because they wanted to broaden the pool of people who would come to campus. But over time, they started admitting lesser qualified students. They weren't admitting them on merit. They were admitting them on skin color. And some of those students couldn't keep up. Well, the universities, like with the failures of the 1960s, had to come up with ideas to, to justify why they were doing it. And essentially, they did the same thing that the rest had done. They latched onto the idea of systemic racism, that there's been systemic racism in society and we must overcome it. And if we bring these kids in, we give them scholarships, we give them good educations, we indoctrinate them, and we provide them safe spaces to do jobs like diversity, equity, and inclusion, where they're not challenged but affirmed in their innate racism, well, we'll have done a good job. So universities stopped, in this country in particular, stopped pushing out noted physicists and mathematics uh, majors and chemists and engineers and started pushing out women and gender studies majors and queer theory studies majors and, and African-American studies majors and victimization studies majors and, and DEI and the like. All of it was politically driven. All of it had to do with indoctrination, not education. And predominantly, it was because the academic institutions had pushed policies that failed non-white members of the community, and they couldn't acknowledge the failure, so they had to come up with new theories, which is where critical theory came in. That if we look at this from a power dynamic, then it turns out that the good white liberals who were educating the non-whites actually had systemic racism woven into the very fabric of their society, and they were incapable of actually teaching these non-white students, which is why, for example, an academic study has come out and suggested that actually plagiarism hurts non-white students, that we got to loosen the rules on plagiarism for the non-white students. Why? Because the white people stole all the ideas from the non-white people, and so it should be okay for the non-white people to just steal them back and regurgitate them as their own. No, no, I'm not making that up. That's an actual academic argument being made on college campuses. That then gets us to what's happened at Harvard, MIT, University of Pennsylvania, Stanford University, and others. Because they now see the whole world through a racial lens and a power dynamic, you had three university presidents who could not answer if calling for the genocide of Jews violates their harassment policies. Because technically, the context is dependent. And that's what they hid behind. The problem is they haven't hid, had hidden behind that in other contexts. So Harvard, for example, discourages fat shaming, cis-heteronormative speech, that is, speech that recognizes there are men and women, 
It has been hostile to any speech that might offend minorities. And it has given the context of those speech great weight in punishing people. Because they don't look at it as an even playing field. They look at it as an ideological rubric and a power dynamic. And they can punish some for the same speech they give other people license to say because they've chosen a side and they picked preferred groups. The solution to this, again, it's not more restrictions on speech. It's for the universities to become facilitators of speaking and facilitators of education and facilitators of speech where the universities do not pick a side. But in order to embrace that ideal where the universities are facilitators and both sides get to say things that may offend the other side, but do so in settings and forums that are respectful of each other where you still get to say what you wish to say, the universities have chosen sides and so they can't do that and they need to get away from choosing sides. But the same people who gave us critical theory on these campuses, the same people who see the whole world through the lens of intersectionality have now risen to the top ranks. So the solution is multifaceted, but it begins with ending diversity, equity, and inclusion programs on campus. You need to end the education of women and gender studies, minority studies, queer theory studies, wipe those off campus. Those are lenses and rubrics to see the world through political intersectionality and power dynamics that don't actually meet the criteria for education. It is entirely indoctrination. And until universities are committed to doing that, they're not going to get this right. And in fact, the system is going to fester. And that's something we don't talk about enough, I think, is that this has festered and will continue to fester unless universities walk it back. Now, for those of you in corporate America, too, you need to be getting rid of your DEI departments. Every department needs a human resources department. But you need to get rid of your DEI departments because that is political indoctrination. It sees the world through a political ideology. It doesn't see classes of people who are equal. It sees unequal power dynamics based on race, gender, and other attributes within an organization and steers towards preferred classes. And it's going to set you and your company eventually up for these problems. You're seeing in the Fortune 500, the spillover of the academic failures of the of the Ivy League, you're going to see it trickle down. Any company that has DEI, you're going to start seeing the fallout from what's being taught on these college campuses, which is not education but indoctrination. In the words of John Roberts, the way to stop discriminating is to stop discriminating. The way to stop people treating other people badly based on their race or ethnicity is to stop seeing the world through that lens. And you can't stop seeing the world through that lens when the entire dynamic of the DEI industry on college campuses and in companies is to see the world through racial lenses. Get back to treating people as individuals, not as products of a race, an ethnicity, or a class. And amazingly, you'll start fixing the thing. But until then, you're going to keep having these problems. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. And yes, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get all the links. Um, by the way, real quick. Or real quick. Uh, quick. Uh, about 6,369 kids left needing presents with Clark's Christmas kids. You can text the word donate to three, three, seven, seven, seven and help put a smile on a child's face. This Christmas child in foster care, trying to buy presents 33 years going um, Clark's Christmas kids. You can text donate to three, three, seven, seven, seven. You know, it, one of the things that happens in these situations with universities there's a very sneaky thing the left does. They find someone who can superficially identify as, in their mind, the oppressor uh, to then uh, serve as a mouth for the oppressed. So, for example, uh, it's very common these days to find people who consider themselves Christians, they use the label Christian, to then bash everything about Christianity. Uh, the same is also true for Judaism. Stanford's anti-Semitism committee co-chair aligned with anti-Israel groups and concluded anti-Semitism wasn't a problem on campus. You will not be surprised to learn the guy identifies as Jewish and identifies with far-left fringe groups on the left who claim anti-Semitism is no big deal. It's one of the things the left does. They co-opt people of a particular characteristic and then use them uh, to denounce anything other than their intersectional theories. So Stanford University's anti-Semitism co-chair says there's no anti-Semitism and I'm Jewish, so you should listen to me. And of course, now look what's happening on college campuses, including at Stanford. Americans for Prosperity is pushing back against the groupthink on college campuses, the insanity that's out there right now. They want you on their side. So if you go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, you can sign up and be one of 4 million plus activists around the country. They've got chapters in 36 states. They're organizing the other ones. So what does that get you? What does it mean for you? Well, let's say you want to persuade your neighbors or you want to go to your school board or your local government. And you want to talk about the books that are in the local elementary school library that shouldn't be there. Or you want to advocate for school change and, and school choice. Americans for Prosperity will give you all of the tools you need and the training to become an expert persuader on these issues for school choice, for responsibility, for limited government, for deregulation, for small businesses. They train you. They give you all the information you need. They give you the data so you're the smartest person in the room. And then they teach you how to persuade your neighbors, how to persuade your school board, how to persuade your state government. They turn you into a sharp activist for free markets, free people, for freedom, for limited government. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up today. Be part of their army of activists. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I did take my kids to see Nate Bergazzi on Friday night. It was great. Um, it was a lot of fun. His dad. Now, if, so if you're not familiar with Nate Bergazzi, he's probably one of the, in the top five national comedians. Uh, you got Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr. Nate Bergazzi, a, a couple other prominent um, comedians. He's he's really at the top of the game right now. Sold out the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, which is where the Atlanta Hawks play. Huge venue. And sold it out two nights, uh, which is very impressive for him to be able to do. His dad was one of his opening acts. His dad is a uh, magician and uh, older now, and it was very funny in his own right. Uh, really, really funny and also deeply moved that that many people would come see his son. It was a, it was a great weekend. Uh, got to go um, run by the um, Lego store with my kid. Did did a lot of shopping for his birthday. It was good. So I let him pick out his own stuff. Uh, had to go by the Airsoft store in Atlanta. I, I don't know what I was expecting. We were expecting a really big, really big Atlanta Airsoft store. They do so much of their business online, though. It wasn't a huge store, but they had a fantastic selection. He is Totally gotten into airsoft. In any event, I uh, had a lot of people come up and say hi. It is increasingly hard to be anonymous in the metro Atlanta area, but that was fine. Everybody was very, very nice. Now, the phone number here, 877-973-7425. Uh, let me go to the phones. Lorenzo, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Uh, I follow you on Twitter for a long time. First time listening to the show. First time calling. Well, thanks for um, calling. The one the one question, no problem. The one question I have for you is um, what level of systemic racism do you think it exists at all or is it non-existent? Because it just it sounds from like the way what I've seen you say is it, it almost doesn't exist. Systemic racism is fiction of the left's mind and they're fixing a problem that isn't there. Where I believe that it, it does exist on some level. Is it over-focused on? Absolutely. But I don't know where you stand. The systemic, is it any of it real, or is it all just fiction of the left? Well, I, I, we live in a fallen world full of sinners, and racism is a sin, so obviously there is racism. Uh, do I think it is woven into our fabric? I think it used to be uh, and is not anymore. Uh, I think there can still be vestiges of it, but we're overcoming it. Uh, but do I think that somehow every person who's not white is born into society now is a victim of some level of racism woven into society. I don't believe that. Okay, I understand. And just to be clear with me as a caller, I am a, I'm a recovering Catholic. Uh, I am a non-believer. Um, I do not believe people are inherently sinful or inherently bad. Um, I, that's oh, one thing see, I don't I like believe about some of the stuff on the right. everybody's inherently bad. Uh, well, one person's sin, I don't know. I feel like the word sin is tossed around very simply. And uh, it's very, it's just tossed around in such a way. And I don't like telling kids that they're broken. Um, for me personally, I mean, I agree with you to a point that, like, I, I think I just said it, that it's not as prevalent as it was, but there are still plenty of vestiges still there. And there are still plenty of decision makers in this country who are from that era. I mean, I kind of look at sports as entertainment. Sports and entertainment to me has always been a good kind of yard marker for how society is. And I don't know if you know, the SEC wasn't fully integrated until 1975. That's the year I was born. And that's almost insane to say. And to think that 
some of those coaches who probably did it reluctantly had kids who maybe those kids hold on to the same mentality who became high school and college coaches in the eighties and nineties. Like granted, I know that's 20 years ago, but this is my generation. You know, another example is Ruby Bridges is only 69 years old. She's the young girl who helped uh, desegregate schools in Louisiana in 1960. I mean, I, I, and that's one of my issues with some of the, oh, we've got to get rid of DEI is you make it sound like it's ancient history. I have friends my age who feel that black people aren't smart enough to play quarterback. I'm talking people in their 40s. And I look at them and I'm like, uh, like, they're not kidding. And so to say that it's non-existent and particularly that the leaders of certain industries in this country who are in their 60s and 70s don't still think that way, I think isn't really paying attention to what's happening. Now, I agree with you. Should these campuses have entire divisions of schools and education? Should it be focused on as much as it is? No, it shouldn't. But I also follow the media. I do know the squeaky wheel gets the phone calls. And so I understand keeping people on edge and upset about these things keeps the calls coming in for, for conservative talkless radio hosts like yourself, who I enjoy listening to. Well, I know oh, okay, so l- let's un- unpack this a little bit. Uh, and first of all, thanks for calling. Um, you and I, we're, we're the same age then, both born in 1975. Yeah, listen, there, as I said, there are racists in the world. I, I kind of take the view that uh, time heals all wounds. And over time, plenty of people die off who were the segregationists of the past, and we move on. The problem is how do we approach this then as a society? So, for example, um, let's take the affirmative action case of the Supreme Court. It's very clear from the transcripts and the trial record that Harvard and the University of North Carolina were actively discriminating against qualified Asian students to bring in less qualified, non-white, non-Asian students. So is that then, in your mind, is it justified to discriminate for the sake of discrimination uh, because of historic discrimination against other groups? Or, I mean, what's your path out of it? I would say no on that, but the one difference would be, did they change their standards? It's one thing if they're actively lowering their standards to let in a group, but if if someone, let's say there's 100 students ranked 1 to 100, and all 100 students hit the school qualifications, but the bottom, let's say numbers 80 through 90 have a bit more racial diversity, and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to give 85 the nod over 45. Yeah, 45 at a couple more points, maybe an extra extracurricular, but 85 still hit all of our benchmarks. I don't have much of an issue with that because I feel that I felt 85 earned their way in. Does it suck? Okay, for but now let, let's be clear though. That's not actually what happened according to the trial record. Okay, well, I, I, I would have to read up on that. I don't know enough about that trial, and I don't like talking about things I, I, no, I don't no, know look, about. <laughs> I, I get it, and I, I guess that, that that's my issue here is that. Uh, if you say racism is in society, we have decision makers who are racist. Uh, what we have done is instead of not discriminating, uh, what we have done is we've empowered people, particularly on college campuses, but also in, in DEI units of corporations, to decide that discrimination against the people who used to discriminate is good, but it's led down this perverse road where Asian students were actively discriminated against by Harvard and the University of North Carolina, such that though their scores were hands down percentages higher than everyone else, 
they were cut based on metrics that showed we need to have X number of non-white, non-Asian students in school, even though their grade point averages were not even close, their test scores were not even close. Uh, And so all we've done is we've come up with this theory of systemic racism woven into society as an excuse to discriminate against people who we presume were the discriminators. And all we're doing is perpetuating discrimination and making people hate each other. Um, well, I feel also that, like, I think you make it sound like some of the systemic racism is someone actively making the decision. I don't care for this racial group. Let's get rid of them. I think that's the thing about systemic racism. Some of it is just baked in. Um, and as far as, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, the, the victimization across the board of everyone, I feel like you're I feel like you complain about that times and now you're, you're, you're playing that card a little bit, too. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I, and I don't see what's wrong with studying these organizations to make sure, like, we address these issues or, or studying this stuff. Like, you want to do away with all DEI education, all any kind of education on that level. I, I feel like we need to study that. I mean, how – sorry, I, I know you're a podcast. I guess I can't curse a little bit. I mean, look up some of the stats on people who think that the Holocaust was real, you know? Yeah, and now, 25% that, of people like, under 30 think the Holocaust is fake. Yeah, so some of that comes to like, well, we should study that. And yeah, we should like move on from some of this stuff in society. But I think also society has shown if you don't address some of this stuff, something could come back up. Like I, I, I look at some of the Kyrie Irving stuff, like when he had the issue with tweeting about the movie and how some people are in Kanye West, people were like, wow, they really stomped down on him hard. I'm like, yeah, you have to, I feel like you have to stomp on some of that stuff hard, hard because we know what happens when it goes unfettered or unchecked we know we've seen in this world the extremes if some of these mentalities are like oh okay yeah that's okay that's their opinion i think we've got okay, we've hit an arrow where now, you just can't brush let me interject that off and here, say though. that's their opinion um, let's move on one of the one of the issues though is that we know i mean there's there's concrete evidence uh the the american enterprise institute has done studies on this uh, the hudson institute has done studies on this that when you look at the people who are most likely to deny, for example, the Holocaust or to get their history of the Middle East mixed up, that somehow the Jews are this occupying group that came in from Europe, a lot of those kids in colleges are the kids going into these what I call victimization classes where they are, in, in whether it's queer theory or women and gender studies or African-American studies, they're being taught to see the world through these power dynamics of critical theory that in effect continue to perpetuate racism, just the whole idea that, well, once the oppressors are oppressed, we'll somehow find peace in the world. Oh, no, I, and, I, and I don't I don't agree with that mentality, um, but I also think it's shining a light. I mean, that sunshine's a great disinfectant on everything. You know, a lot of that stuff operates in darkness and, you know, to pull back the curtain and look at some of that stuff, you know, you know, it matters. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I got to let you go there because I got to go to commercial break. One, thanks for calling in, Lorenzo. I appreciate it. But two, I, I just, I, 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 I don't think either of us intended to dance around the other on this one. Um, and I, I, I see where you're, you're coming from. But if we send kids to colleges and they get degrees in studies that teach them that the world is perpetually divided into power dynamics of discrimination, you're not going to get rid of discrimination. I mean, that's the whole inherent failure on this philosophy 
And this view of systemic racism woven into society is that the left that argues this believes that once the oppressed are in power, that they somehow won't be the oppressor. And yet you see on college campuses where they are in power that they just oppress the groups that they viewed were once the oppressor. So it doesn't actually work. So as long as we're perpetuating the education of kids into an indoctrination that says there are oppressed and oppressors and the whole nation is systemically racist and we have to overcome it, all you're going to get is more racism and oppression. It's just from different people. Again, the John Roberts quote I think is is just so apt on this is that if you want to stop discrimination, stop discriminating. And whether or not you're an atheist or a Christian or, or you have a worldview that's compatible or not, the idea that there are, in fact, some people who they're racist, they're sinners, they're, they're going to do this. Um, I don't think we can get out of that mindset that they exist. More and more of them will die off over time. There will be new ones probably to a lesser and lesser extent. But that doesn't mean the whole system itself is racist. It just means that there are racists among us. And not just white people. Look at Louis Farrakhan. Recently, 10 regional banks have had their credit downgraded. Now, they're going to keep racking up profits. They're going to get sweetheart bailouts and things go worse. You have the big farmers bank in Iowa that just went through this. Mega banks are going to sell them. You, you got the big banks in this country we've created that are too big to fail. And the government keeps bailing them out. So they keep making the same mistakes. They get bailed out again. It just causes all sorts of problems in the economy, which is why Swiss America wants to educate you on the secret war on cash and the assault on our freedoms. Soaring interest rates, banks teetering. Swiss America can educate you on ways to protect your hard-earned assets now. I don't know if you all have seen what the price of gold has been doing lately, but it keeps going up. Get the report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. Read The Secret War on Cash. It's free to my listeners. You just mentioned Eric Erickson. When you call or text 800-289-2646, that's 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. Message and data rates apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. You know, Lorenzo and I mentioned this in our conversation. Lorenzo, I do appreciate it. Um, Good conversation. On December 5th, this is from The Economist. For over five hours, lawmakers grilled the presidents of elite universities in a congressional hearing about anti-Semitism on college campuses. In one of the testics exchanges, a Republican congresswoman, Elise Stefanik, asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews violates university rules. It is context-dependent, replied Liz McGill, the president of the University of Pennsylvania. Clips of the exchange went viral on X, formerly Twitter. Yad Vashem, a Holocaust museum and research center, issued a condemnation and stressed the importance of raising awareness about the history of anti-Semitism and the Holocaust. Why? Get this. 
one in five Americans under the age of 29 believe the Holocaust is a myth. And another one in five believe it's been exaggerated. Interestingly enough, it is predominant in uh, the black community. Holocaust denialism is much higher in the black community than the white community. And it is higher among college kids than non-college kids. College kids, that's right, college kids, white college kids think the Holocaust is exaggerated or a myth. I, I I think I'm rapidly leaning towards at this point uh, Schindler's List should be required viewing for everyone in this country. Uh, if you've never seen it, you'll never want to watch it again, but you should watch it. Um, it is a it, it is a an amazing movie. It really is an amazing movie, but it is a movie that you will never want to watch again. It is emotionally overwhelming and documents the Holocaust. But sadly, you know, a lot of people would watch it and think it's fiction. A lot of people will watch it and think it's made up. I, I just I, I want you as a parent, as 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 a thinking person to just understand that this doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes from these very things Lorenzo and I were talking about, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, where you see the world through the lens of oppressor and oppressed, largely characterized based on racial characteristics designed in some way to combat past racism. All it does is not only foment new racism, but Holocaust denialism. That's where this stuff leads. And we're seeing it now. One in five people under the age of 29 in this country thinks the Holocaust is a myth from 18 to 29. 20% think the Holocaust is a myth. 22% believe it's exaggerated. So 44% or 42% think it's exaggerated or myth. Just absurd. And that's coming from critical theory. It's coming. The chickens are coming home to roost on this stuff. You teach, the see the lens through power dynamics of race. You get to this. Exactly where the Nazis got to it too, by the way. Horrific that we're headed full circle. Now, this hour of the program. It's brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're buying a building or building a building or you're buying a franchise, First Liberty wants to help you. Those are the sorts of deals they specialize in. If you need $250,000 or more, go to firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com. See if they can help you. They make their own lending decisions. And the Frost family also wants me to wish you a Merry Christmas on their behalf. When we come back, there's new polling out. The Democrats are shell-shocked by it. Donald Trump beating Joe Biden decisively in more swing states and above 50% in Iowa for the Republican primary. And the conspiracy theorists are coming out to figure out what's going on. Where does conspiracy and reality collide? I want to talk about that. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.